Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. Connect further with us by downloading the Dream City Omaha app or finding us on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe for more. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Good. For those of you that, uh, that weren't with us last weekend, Memorial Weekend, those of you that were out camping or spending time at the lake, some of you came in, looked a couple shades darker today. Uh, looked like you got some sun. It's good to, to have you with us. And, and if you're joining us as a guest, whether you're here in person or you're joining us online, we want to say thank you for being with us today as well. If you're wondering what we're about at Dream City, we say, we say this is really who we are and, and what we're about is helping all people from all places live in the freedom and the fullness found in the abundant life in Christ. That's what we want you to experience. That's what we want to experience. That's what Jesus came to pay for us to experience. In John chapter 10, verse 10, he said that he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And so we want to help you tap into and walk in that abundant life that Christ has already paid for you to have. And whatever your, your next step on your spiritual journey is, if you want to take that Connect card on the seat in front of you, just mark whatever box that is, drop it in one of the black boxes on your way out. We'd love to, to connect with you and, and, uh, and help you out on your journey. Today we're going to get into God's Word. If you're ready for that, all right, just wait and see, making sure, making sure we're ready for that. Uh, as Pastor Dobie said, we've been reading through the Bible chronologically together. How many of you have enjoyed that? Those of you that have been participating, if you haven't been participating, would encourage you, participate, jump in, don't, uh, don't wait. You can, you can start today. Uh, on your way out, you can grab a, a, a hard copy of the Bible reading plan for the month, or you can go to the, the Dream City Omaha app and find the plans on there. But we've been reading through the Bible chronologically, and, and this week we have reached the end of the life of King David. And, uh, and it was one of those sad moments, right? You, 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 for the last two months, we've been reading about this incredible man, the man that the Bible calls a man after God's own heart, a man who was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. We've read his, his successes and we've read his failures. We've read him at the, the highest points and at the lowest points of his life. And, and it should encourage us knowing that if, if David with his flaws and his failures can still be seen by God as a man after God's heart, that there's hope for us. That I can be a man after God's heart, and it doesn't mean that I have to be perfect, and it doesn't mean that I have to, to do everything correctly or, or, or perfectly, but, but if I pursue him, if I love him, if I'm in intimate relationship with him, if I'm repentant when I do stumble and I do fall and I turn from those things, then, then I can be a man after God's own heart, and we all can as well. So let that encourage you today. But in our reading this week, we've, we've come to the end of the life of King David. And, uh, and we see now that Solomon, his son, has taken over the throne. So there's been this transition of power in the nation of Israel. And if anything, in the last two months reading about King David has taught us, it has taught us that this was not going to go smoothly. If we expected this handoff of power to go smoothly in David's family, we were sorely mistaken. David, for, for all of his successes and all of his failures, one of his failures was a failure as a father. And, and really, men, if, if, you want to, if you want to learn a lesson about how not to raise your kids, Read the life of David. 
We saw last week how that his oldest son, Absalom, had created and, and caused an insurrection. He started a revolt against his father. He said, David shouldn't be king. I should be king. So he, he gets a, a group of people to support his campaign, and David flees Jerusalem. Absalom goes on the, the roof of the palace, and he takes David's concubines into the tent to, to dishonor, to shame his father, but then to, to try and usurp his father in the eyes of the nation. Absalom died during the course of the rebellion, and today, as we, as we look at the scripture and Solomon has taken over, it wasn't without drama and it wasn't without event because David's oldest living son, not Absalom, but the second at that point, but now he's the oldest because Absalom's dead, he tries to take over the throne. David is an old man and he's laying in his deathbed. He hasn't died yet, but Adinajah starts to throw himself parties declaring that he is the new king of Israel. And as he's having parties with commanders of the armies and different politicians and different tribal leaders, Bathsheba comes to David and she says, David, David, didn't you say that Solomon, my son, would be king when you die? And David's like, of course I said that. You know that I said that. And if you're telling me that I said that, wife, then surely I said it. <laughs> Even if I don't remember saying it, if you say that I said it, then I must have said it. Guys, you know that that's true. How many times have you, have you been reminded of things that you said that you forgot that you said by your wife? And so Bathsheba comes and she says, didn't you say Solomon was going to be king? He says, that's right, I did say that. And so David, as one of his final acts, has to set the record straight for the nation and letting them know that no, Adonijah is not going to be king. But Solomon, my son, will be king. And Solomon has, has taken over. And, and in the first few chapters that we see Solomon's life, he's, he's done a couple things. He's righted some of the, the mistakes, some of the, the, the junk that David has left uh, as, he, as he died. And, and we see Solomon's reign begin. Now, Solomon's reign is going to last 40 years. It's a prosperous reign. It's, it's successful economically. It's a successful reign politically, but this week as we continue to read in Solomon's life, we will also see that it, it's a mess for him personally. And he might be what the Bible refers to as the wisest man that ever lived, and the Bible also says that he's the richest man that ever lived, but, but just as his father David had a successful kingship, but it wasn't without problems personally, Solomon repeats the pattern in his own life. And he's successful politically and economically, and he's the wisest and richest man, and the kingdom is doing great, and everyone's sending their advisors to go learn from Solomon. But, but Solomon kind of makes his life a mess. I guess that's what happens when you have 700 wives and 300 concubines. It gets messy. I can only handle one. Don't know how he handled 700 plus 300. But nevertheless, that's the mess that he made. And, and I'm not going to, to spoil this story for those of you that are reading along chronologically. But today I do want us to, to look at 1 Kings chapter 3. And I want us to look at a, a portion of scripture where Solomon now has been king for a few years. He's gone up to offer sacrifices to God and God comes to him in the night in a dream and he asks Solomon what he wants. How many of you would wish God would just come to you and say, hey, what do you want? And whatever you want, 
I'll give it to you. How many of you, like, I'll sign up for that right now. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, here's what the Bible says. That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. God says, what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. And Solomon replied, you show great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you've continued to show this great faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David, but I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. Humility goes a long way. Verse 8, and here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous that they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom, so God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you have asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon woke up and realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant where he sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. Then he invited all his officials to a great banquet. I want to skip ahead to chapter 4 and just read a couple verses from chapter 4, verse 29. It says that God gave Solomon very great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the sands of the seashore. In fact, his wisdom exceeded that of all the wise men of the east and the wise men of Egypt. In verse 34, it says that kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that it's alive, that it's living, that it's active, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, I pray that, that you would use your word today to reveal things in us that need to be revealed, to take things out of us that need to be removed. God, I pray that through your word today, those that need to be encouraged would be encouraged. Those that need to be challenged would be challenged. Those that need to be corrected would be corrected. And God, even as wisdom, as Solomon asked for wisdom, those that need to grow in wisdom, that we would grow in wisdom today through the power of your word. We thank you that that even as you came to Solomon and you said, what do you want? Ask and I'll give it to you. That we find in the New Testament that we have not because we ask not. And so, Lord, today, whatever it is that we have need of, we're thankful that we can come boldly before your throne and make our requests known, that we can bring our petitions to you. And if we ask according to your will and according to your word, we know that you hear it, and if you hear it, you will do it. And so, Lord, be with us today. Speak to us today. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. This morning, I want to talk quickly. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time, but I want to talk quickly about wisdom and and specifically how to grow in wisdom. Now, I want to to give you the what of wisdom, and I'm going to give you the the why of wisdom, but I think most of us would be able to, to understand what wisdom is and why we need it. I don't think I have to spend a whole lot of time telling you that you need wisdom in life because we've all experienced what happens when we live our lives void of wisdom. Right? How many of us have made stupid decisions? How many of us have tried to step without seeking wisdom? 
How many of you have found that when you do that, you make a mess of your situation? And so I don't have to spend a lot of time convincing you of your need for wisdom. I think the, the majority of our time spent today, I would like us to instead look at how do we gain wisdom. So, so quickly, number one, what is wisdom? Simply defined, I would say that wisdom is the righteous application of knowledge. Now, in the past, I've told you that wisdom is the right application but as I was studying for this message in particular, I was challenged by the Holy Spirit because as we look at society and culture and, and things going on around us, we find ourselves in a time like we read about in the book of Judges where everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so if we say that wisdom is the right application, what's right to one may not seem right to another. But if we're talking today about godly wisdom and not earthly wisdom, yeah. if we're talking about godly wisdom, we have to understand that godly wisdom is the righteous. Because righteous is according to only one standard, and he is that standard. So wisdom is the righteous application of that knowledge. Knowledge is about what you know. Wisdom is about what you do. Have you ever known a dumb, smart person? <laughs> a person with a whole lot of knowledge that could tell you anything that you ask. They have all the information in the world, whether it's useless sports facts or movie quotes like myself, or just information about things in general. One of the things I love about Solomon is not only was he wise, but he was knowledgeable. It said that in the, in the scripture, in the reading this week, it says that he could have a conversation about the, the smallest plant that grows between the rocks or the largest tree. He could have intelligent conversations about anything because that was the knowledge that he had, but it didn't stop at knowledge, but it turned into wisdom as he asked God for wisdom. See, we can, we can have all of the facts and still make stupid choices. You can be knowledgeable, but not wise. We, we say it's, it's the difference between book smart and what? Street smart. Right? We, we understand that, that saying book smart is you can score 100 on the test, but you might walk down the wrong alley late at night. You might be really smart, but you're not that smart. Right? We understand, we, we know those people. And so, so we have to understand that wisdom is the righteous application of that knowledge. And, and knowledge you can get from anywhere, but wisdom only comes from God. Knowledge you can get from reading a book. Knowledge you can get from listening to a podcast. Knowledge you can get from having a conversation with somebody. In fact, knowledge can come from many different places. Knowledge can be passed down, but true wisdom only comes from God. Are you pursuing knowledge today or are you pursuing wisdom today? It's not enough to have knowledge like at high school graduates. They have knowledge. They're lacking in wisdom. Look at college graduates. Those of you that just graduated college, forgive me. You can have a lot of knowledge. You can graduate with degrees and letters before and after your name. And you get the cap and the gown and the tassel and the sash and whatever else that they do at graduation ceremonies these days. 
But if you don't ta- take that, that knowledge and ask God to give you wisdom and the, the ability to, to put into practice in a righteous manner the knowledge that you've accumulated, then you'll never grow in wisdom. It's not enough to seek knowledge. We also have to seek wisdom. Why, why, should, we, why should we pursue wisdom? Proverbs chapter 3, and in our reading this week, we We've read the book of Proverbs, right? Proverbs written by Solomon. As the wisest man, it's only right that he writes down a bunch of these lessons for us to learn. Here's what he writes. He says, joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. I would insert a verse right here, and I would say that wisdom is more valuable than a tank of gas. Because he's talking about silver and gold, but I think in today's terms, we need to talk about tanks of gas, especially when you drive a 32-gallon F-150. <laughs> Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire, nothing you desire, nothing that you want will ever compare to Wisdom. He continues, she offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths and all of her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those that embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. That's why. That's why. How many of you want to live a long life? Grab hold of wisdom. How many of you want something more precious than rubies? Grab hold of wisdom. How many of you want something more valuable than a full tank of gas right now? Pursue wisdom. Those are the things that, that, that Solomon is saying as the wisest man, most knowledgeable man, the one who, who the Bible refers to as the wisest man that ever lived. He says, wisdom is more valuable than anything that I have, and I'm rich. I'm loaded. Like Elon Musk has nothing on me. When you compare his wealth to my wealth, my wealth dwarfs him, but none of that matters without wisdom, is what he says. Why should we pursue it? Because it's going to lead us down delightful paths. I want my life to be full of delightful paths. I've taken a lot of of hard paths to get where I'm at today. A lot of paths I've led myself down that God's had to be like, hey, no, listen, like, that's not the way you should go. In fact, let me just pick you up and let me put you over here. Not that that process was fun either, just ask Jonah. But it would have been so much more delightful had I just acted in wisdom, taking the knowledge that I had and said, God, what would you like me to do with the facts and the information that I've been presented? Rather than saying, John, what would you like to do? See, as human beings, we've been gifted one of the greatest gifts, and that is our physical brain. Of all of God's creation, your brain is incredible. It's fascinating. How many of you have ever heard that we only use 10% of our brain? No, that's not, that's not necessarily true, but, but rather when they say that, what they really mean is we only understand about 10% of the human brain. So they say, you're only using 10% of it. No, that's just the the only 10% that you understand. 
We don't know how it functions, but with the, the 86 billion neurons that are constantly firing and the hundreds of trillions of synapses and connections that are firing every minute, every second, every nanosecond, constantly sending and receiving information from your body and to your body and do this, and it's cold in here, and somebody needs to turn the heat up. I'm not saying that it's cold in here and anybody needs to turn the heat up. It's perfect. But you're always getting the stimuli, and then to, from the stimuli, your brain is sending out signals to your body. Everything that you do is computed. Everything that you think is computed up here, and it's fascinating, and it's wonderful, and it's, it's, it's a marvel, and it's miraculous. But in your brain, we have the ability to, to wire different shortcuts, and we, we wire ways of thinking. And your brain functions in a way that it will try to get you to the quickest result. Not necessarily the best result, but when your synapses are firing, it's saying, here's the quickest way to solve this problem. And we can wire in these shortcuts through life that rather than stopping and thinking, we just, we act and we do. We turn off the logic part of our brain and we operate based on the emotion part of our brain. I heard this, this riddle this week and, and some of you maybe have heard it. But the riddle is this. If there's a, a bat in a ball that costs $1.10 and the bat costs $1 more than the ball costs, how much does the ball cost? Some of you are sitting there thinking, and some of you want to say 10 cents because if it's 10 cents and then a dollar, it's a dollar 10. And we sit there. Here's the riddle again. There's a bat and there's a ball and together they cost a dollar 10. And if the bat costs a dollar more than the ball costs, how much does the ball cost? Five cents is the, the teacher. The teacher of 40 years over here tells us that the answer is five cents. It's five cents. And my wife is sitting there saying, huh? The ball costs five cents because the bat costs a dollar more than the ball. How much does the bat cost then if the ball is five cents? A dollar five. Together, how much do they cost? A dollar ten. Now the light bulb is turning on for a lot of you right now. Why? You had all of the information. You had the knowledge to solve the problem. But your brain wanted to take a shortcut to get to the answer the quickest way possible. So you're thinking it's 10 cents because 10 cents and a dollar equals a dollar 10. That's not true. That's not, the way that, that's not the way that it works. And that's the difference between having knowledge and having wisdom. The difference of having the information and being able to rightly apply the information. There's a lake with a lily pad. And his lily pad doubles in size every day. And on the 48th day, this lake is finally covered in lily pads everywhere. On what day in the process was the lake half covered? Day 47, the day before the last day. Because on the last day, it would have doubled in size and covered the entire lake. It's not day 24. How many of you are thinking day 24? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. It's okay. But you had the information, you had the knowledge, you had the understanding. But what your brain is doing is saying, let's just jump in there and let's answer, let's get to the, let's get to the answer, let's, let's, let's solve the problem, let's, let's figure out the riddle, rather than saying, let's slow down and let's think about this. 
What's happening here? What's going on? And so many times in our lives, we do the same thing. We're faced with a problem. We're faced with a situation. And rather than saying, hey, let's just slow down and, and apply wisdom to the situation, we respond emotionally or we respond impulsively or we just want to get in there and do something. Why do we need wisdom? Because we as human beings are so quick to make emotional and irrational decisions rather than asking the question, what's the wise thing for me to do right now? What's the wise thing for me to do? So how do I get it, Pastor John? How do I, how do, how do I stop being a, a stupid, smart person? How, how, do, how do I grow, not just in knowledge, but how do I grow in godly wisdom, the righteous application of knowledge and information? Here's number one, the first thing that we have to do. We have to fear God and be obedient to him. How do I grow in wisdom? Fear God. Well, that doesn't make any sense. What is... What does fearing God have to do with gaining wisdom? And Solomon would say, everything, right? He would say everything. In Proverbs, here's what, here's what Solomon writes. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One, knowledge of Him, is understanding. The fear of the Lord. You can't get to a place of having wisdom without starting with the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? It doesn't mean to be afraid of God. Fearing God does not mean being afraid of him. I remember when I was little, we had, we had uh, rescued a German shepherd who had been, who had been abused. And we had, we had rescued him from an abusive home. Have you ever, have you ever rescued a dog who had, who had come from an abusive, abusive home? And I remember as a young boy, I just like, remember last week I told you how much I wanted a dog, Right? Homeward bound, we, we already had that conversation. Now we finally get this dog, and I want nothing more than to be Peter to his shadow. This was my shadow, and I was his Peter. And I just wanted to love him and hug him and play with him and spend time with him. But we got him home, and literally any time I would go to pet him, he would... And it's like, I'm just, I just want to love you, <laughs> Let me love you. And he was constantly running and hiding and ducking. Why? Because he had been trained to fear. Now, when we talk about fearing God, some of us, when, when we hear God speak or when the Holy Spirit convicts us, that's our response. Because we don't know him or because we, we had a, an abusive father figure in the natural and we equate what our father did to our heavenly father and we've been taught that that is the natural response to correction, but, but we are not to be afraid of God. In fact, the Bible tells us that there's nothing that will ever separate us from God's love. So if it doesn't mean to be afraid, what, is, what does that mean to fear God? It means to have such a deep reverence for him, to revere him, to respect, to honor, and, and, and to revere to the point that our response is not cowering in fear but it's getting down on our knees and getting down on our face and saying, God, in light of who you are and God, in light of your miraculous ways and God, in, in light of how mighty and powerful you are, God, my, my only response is to bow down and to honor you. I am nothing. In light of you, my goodness is nothing 
in light of your goodness. My righteousness is nothing in light of your righteousness. God, I am, I am, nothing, I am unworthy, and yet, God, you have chosen to be in relationship with me. And God, because I fear you and I revere you and I know you, my response is to offer myself, as Paul said, as a living sacrifice unto you. And when we fear God in that way, it's a, it's a thing that doesn't just affect how we live on Sundays. It's a thing that doesn't just affect how we talk when we're at small group. The thing that doesn't just affect what we, what we meditate on for the five minutes a day we're reading the chronological plan. But it's a fear that affects every area of our lives. That, that God, when I come and when I go and when I'm over here and when I'm with these people and with those people, when I'm at work, when I'm at school, when I'm at home, when I'm with my friends, when I'm on the golf course, when I'm on the ball field, whatever I'm doing, God, whatever context I find myself in, Lord, Lord I, in, in, in honor of you, I just want to do what is pleasing to you. I want to, I want to say what is pleasing to you. I want to think on the things of you. And God, I don't want to look to the left or to the right or to any other way. But God, I just want to keep my gaze transfixed on you because you are, you are, you are incredible and you are, are so loving and you are so gracious and you are so merciful and you are so faithful. And God, you are my provider and you are my banner and you are my rock. And God, it's not about me or anything that I can accomplish, but God, I just fall down in reverence to who you are. And when you live life that way, guess what stops? Those stupid, emotional, what I want, what I want, what I want, what feels good to me decisions. Because now you're living your, your life not according to what feels good to you or what you want or the desires of your sinful heart, but you have said, God, would you put your desires in my heart? God, help me to live in a way that is pleasing to you. And as you are in that relationship with him and you're seeking to please him, you know what he does? He starts giving you wisdom. You don't want to do this. You don't want to go there. I know that relationship seems like the right idea. I know that job seems like it's the right place. I know that that's not, that's not the way I want you to go. It's not the one that I have for you. That's not the job, just just. Hold on, there's another door that's about to open. Every door that opens isn't from me. There's another door that I'm about to open. Just wait until you hear me say. When we fear God, when we live in obedience, that's when God comes and he starts to, to give us that wisdom. Psalm 111 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. We want wisdom, we want understanding, how do we get there? We fear God and we follow his law. We follow his word. We do what he tells us to do. You want wisdom, you have to start with fearing God. The second thing that we, want to do, we need to do if we want to grow in wisdom is ask. Very simply, ask God. When's the last time you asked God for wisdom? Here's my challenge to you, my encouragement to you. With all the things that we are facing, with all the things that we're being bombarded by every single day, all the things going on around us, the things that are coming down the road, I would encourage you every day, you need to be praying and asking God for wisdom. Not just when there's a decision you need to make and not just when you're at a fork in the road, but God, every day, 
God, give me wisdom for today. Would you lead me? Would you guide me? Help me to, to correctly, according to your word, apply knowledge and information that I have at my disposal, that I might not step off a cliff somewhere, but walk according to your word, firmly planted on the rock. God, give me wisdom. In James chapter 1, verse 5, he says, if you need wisdom, ask. Don't ask our stingy God. But he says, ask our what? Generous God. How many of you like being around generous people? Come on. I love me some generous people. Nothing better than a generous person. I was walking in a service. Somebody stopped me and said, hey, Pastor John, I just, I want to bless you today. I said, you're, you are a blessing. He says, no, I want to bless you. He pulled out his wallet and gave me $20. I said, what is this for? He said, I just, I just want to bless you. And I said, thank you for your generosity. <laughs> and I wish you would all be generous like this man was. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> But we all love generous people. We like being around generous people, right? It makes us feel good. It makes us feel good to be generous people. God is that way. God is a generous God. He's not a stingy God holding things back from you. He wants to give you. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you wisdom. If you would just fear him and ask. Stop depending on yourself. Humble yourself a little bit. Recognize you don't have all of the answers. And because I don't have all of the answers and I don't know what to do, God, I need you. Would you give me wisdom? And he will give it to you lavishly in an unfolding manner with layers upon layers and new revelations to come. That is the wisdom that he wants to give. Now, for those of you that are familiar with the New Testament in the book of James, in verse 5, he says, if you need wisdom, ask, what does he say right before this? If you face trials of many kinds, consider it an opportunity for what? Joy. Why? Because the testing of your faith works patience, and patience, when it's had its full work, will lead you to a place of being mature and complete, lacking nothing. The very next verse. And if any of you need wisdom, ask. Now, why was he, he's writing to the, to the believers, he's writing to the to Jewish people scattered abroad. Why are they scattered? Well, because they've gone into exile and some of them have decided to, rather than come back, they, they stayed living in a foreign land. So, so some are living in foreign lands, trying to, to, to maintain dietary restrictions and worship only one God and observe the Sabbath and keep all of the commands. Some of the believers are just on the run for their lives because after Jesus' resurrection, they're being hunted and they're being persecuted. And so they've got, we got believers all over the place, scattered abroad, trying to fit in with society and still live according according to God's word. And James writes to them. And the first thing James says is, listen, when you face crazy times, consider an opportunity for joy because it's going to lead you to a place of maturity and completion. It'll build up your faith. And if during that process, any of you need wisdom, just ask. How do you feel like you're going through a crazy time right now? Right? Like, just feel like you're in a crazy, in the spin cycle of the dryer and just like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's what. It's in those situations that James is writing this. 
It's in those, cry, those, those crazy trying times that James writes to the believers and says, if any of you needs wisdom, all you have to do is ask. I said it earlier, I'll say it again. God is the only source of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 2, Solomon writes in verse 6, the Lord grants wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Any attempt to find true wisdom outside of God is in vain. Well, what about all the people that are, are wise today, but they're not necessarily believers? Oh, they might have worldly wisdom. But Paul says that the wisdom of this world is foolishness. They might think that they have something, but if it's not rooted in Christ, then it's all in vain. So we have to fear God. We have to be obedient. Second thing we have to do if we want to grow in wisdom is we have to ask. And then the third thing that we have to do is we have to be willing to take advice. Be willing to take advice. Say it one more time. Be willing to take advice. Say, Pastor John, well, why are you saying it three times? Well, number one, because I'm not saying a lot of heads going down in writing. <laughs> I just want to make sure that you're taking notes today because that would be the wise thing to do. How do you grow in wisdom? Take notes on Sundays. I should have added that in <laughs> point 2B. Write that in your notes. 2B, take notes on Sundays. Point 3, be willing to take advice. Be willing to take advice. A little humility, as Solomon did. Solomon said, God, I'm but a child. My reasoning is very childlike. I don't have understanding. I don't have wisdom. I don't have knowledge. God, I need it because I can't do it on my own. There's a lot of people today who think that they can do it on their own. I don't need wisdom. I can figure it out. I don't need advice. I can figure it out. I don't need help. I'm good on my own. Listen, you are not good on your own. If you were good on your own, you would be in your life where you want to be right now. If you could have done it on your own, you would have done it already. If you could have overcome that on your own, you would have overcome it already. If you could have arrived there on your own, you would have arrived there already. You're not good on your own. You need to humble yourself, crucify that pride in your life, and say, I need advice. I need help. Proverbs chapter 13, let's again learn from Solomon. Here's what he says, pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are what? Wise. Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wives. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20. Get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise with the rest of your life. Now make sure that it's, it's from a good source. Don't just be taking advice all willy-nilly from everybody. You want to know what to do? Find somebody with some knowledge. Find somebody with some wisdom. Find somebody who is where you want to be and ask them, how can I get there? You want to grow financially? Find somebody who's financially secure, not living paycheck to paycheck and in debt up to their ears. You take advice from that person, you know what their advice is going to be? Take out another credit card. Have fun. Live however you want to live. It's not good advice. You want your marriage to thrive? Some, find somebody with a good marriage and ask them, what have you done? How have you cultivated this relationship? Find somebody who is where you want to be and ask. 
But you have to be willing to take advice. There's so many prideful people that say, well, I'm not going to ask because if I ask, I know what they're going to say. That's why you should ask. Well, what if they tell me my plan is dumb? Then stop your plan and reevaluate. What if they're telling me what I'm doing I shouldn't be doing? Stop what you're doing and pray and ask God what you should be doing. Well, I don't want to hear that. And that is the root of your problem. I don't want somebody to tell me no. I don't want somebody to tell me I can't have what I want. I don't want, I don't want somebody to tell me not to, to go in this direction that I want to go. I don't want somebody to tell me to stop doing what makes me feel good. I don't, that's the problem with our world today. We don't want to hear anything other than what makes us feel good, what we think is right, what's right in our minds, let alone pausing to consider what's right according to God's word. This is what I think. I don't care what you think. What does God's word say? What is his wisdom leading you to do? Be willing to take advice when you're faced with a decision, situation you don't know what to do. Before you just make that irrational decision, that emotional decision, the decision based on your understanding. Stop leaning on your own understanding. The Bible says acknowledge him in all of your ways, and then what? He'll, he'll make your path straight. But you don't do that while you're leaning on your own understanding. Be willing to take advice. Humble yourself. Go to somebody and say, hey, what do you think? And be willing to be corrected. Be willing for them to say that you're wrong. Be, be humble enough to be able to receive that. Ecclesiastes chapter seven, again, Solomon. Here's what he says. It's better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a fool. We want to be praised so much. Tell me I'm doing good. Tell me I'm doing it right. Tell me what I'm doing is okay. Tell me, tell me that the way that I feel is right. We've got a bunch of fools praising a bunch of people, rejecting the criticism of the wise, simply because we don't want to hear that. Listen, if you don't want to be willing to take advice, that's fine. Like that's, I, I can't do it for you. I wish I could, but I can't. I wish I could make your decisions for you but I can't. I wish I could be there every second of the day, but I can't. But you know who is? Holy Spirit is. And I can, I can, I can help and I can, I can teach and I can, can share with you what the Holy Spirit's revealed to me and pray that as those seeds are being deposited and as the Holy Spirit is watering, that it's going to produce fruit. But, but if, if you decide to harden yourself from this word today and just continue living how you want to live, then you'll continue to get what you've always gotten. But I would venture to say that all of us in this place, there's something more that we want. There's something in our mind in one area of our life or another that we are aspiring to, that we want to get to, we want to achieve, we want to, we want to be that. If that's what you want, ultimately then you have to be willing to sacrifice some things now. You can either have what you want right now, or you can have what you ultimately want, but you can't have both. 
And when you sacrifice what you ultimately want for what feels good and what you want right now, you'll continue to live in the cycle of repeating the same patterns of behavior. But if you humble yourself, if you take advice, if you sacrifice some things and lay some things down because it's the wise thing to do and sacrifice what you want right now, then you'll find yourself one day living a life that you ultimately wanted. But it doesn't come without wisdom. And wisdom doesn't come without obedience. Wisdom doesn't come without fearing God. Wisdom doesn't come without prayer and asking. And wisdom doesn't come without taking advice from other people. You don't know everything about everything. You are not Sid the science kid. Some of you got that, some of you didn't. Those of you with kids about my kid's age, you probably did. There was a cartoon, in the beginning of the cartoon, it was like the theme song was... Did you ever hear the one about the kid who wanted to know everything about everything? And it was Sid the Science Kid. And I just lost 75% of you. <laughs> but you have to be willing to take advice. And you have to be willing to hear no. You have to be willing to take criticism. Okay, so how do I know if I'm on the right path? I'm going to give you in closing today one last verse. And this will be like your litmus test. 1 Corinthians 13 is a litmus test for love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not keep record of wrong. And we tell you often, you know, put your name in there. John is sometimes patient, and John is mostly kind. And John is, there are areas, you know, when you do that, it reveals areas that you still need to grow in, right? Because that's the litmus test for, for what love truly is. I'm going to give you today the litmus test for wisdom, all right? So, so when you make decisions and when you find yourself acting upon things, you can always go back to this to see if the two are lining up. James chapter 3, go ahead and put that verse up there. Here's what he says. The wisdom from above is first of all pure. So are the decisions that you are making pure? It is also peace-loving. Are the decisions that you're making leading to to unhealthy conflict. I will say unhealthy conflict because sometimes conflict is healthy. But are they leading to unhealthy conflict? Is it peace-loving? Is it gentle at all times? Are your decisions willing to yield to others? Are your decisions full of mercy? Are your decisions full of the fruit of good deeds? Do your decisions show favoritism? Are they always sincere? He finishes this thought in verse 18 and says that those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. James chapter 3. Are those the decisions, do, do those sound like the decisions that you're making today? Most of them, some of them, none of them, occasionally, I think as we read this, there's room for all of us to grow in wisdom. God, give me wisdom that my decisions might be pure. God, give me, this, give me wisdom that my, my actions might be full of mercy. God, give me wisdom so that I might be one who is gentle at all times. God, give me wisdom to not show favoritism. Give me wisdom that my, my deeds would bear good fruit. God, help me to grow in wisdom. And the only way for us to do that, number one, is to what? 
Fear God. Thank you. Number two, ask God. Number three, be willing to take advice. And two, be take notes in church. Stand with me this morning. This morning, how many of you want to grow in wisdom? Okay, half of us are making a wise decision right now. How many of you want to grow in wisdom? I think we all do. Those of you watching online, you want to grow in wisdom. First step in wisdom is fearing God, being obedient to him. Some of us are here. Some of us are watching online. We're trying to grow in wisdom on our own outside of relationship with him. I want you to know today that until you submit yourself and your life to him, until you accept the free gift of salvation that he offers, the gift that Sam reminded us of today as we sang about the price that Jesus paid on the cross and the new life that we can have in him through his resurrection. Until you make that decision, to lay down your life, to pick up your cross, to die to yourself and to surrender to him as your Lord and Savior, only then can you begin this journey of finding true wisdom. This morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here, if you're watching online, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus, you have not surrendered your life to him, I would not be doing you any favors to allow you to leave or turn off the screen without first making the wisest decision that you ever could. Today, if that's you and you feel like there's something inside of you that's longing for more and you know that that's you and you're tired of living for yourself and making your own decisions, but you want to be put on a new path. Today, that path is available to you. And it's a path of love and it's a path of hope and it's a path of endless joy. Not the temporary happiness that the world would tell you to pursue, but a joy that comes from deep down inside. Today, if that's you, I'm going to ask if you would just pray a prayer with me. Just, it's a simple prayer. It's a prayer of confession. It's a prayer of repentance. It's a prayer of acceptance. It's a prayer of surrender. The Bible says that anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And if we would confess our sins, that he's faithful and he's just to forgive us. And if we would believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, our names would be written into the book of life. So today, if you're here, you're watching online, church, would you help us pray today? Just repeat this prayer after me. Just say, Jesus, today I confess I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I'm tired of making my own decisions and living my own way. Today, I surrender my life to you. I give you my heart, I give you my mind, I give you every part of me, my past, my present, and my future. I receive you as my savior. 
I accept you as my Lord. Would you change me from the inside out and lead me on paths of righteousness, helping me to grow in wisdom from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer. God, whether it's the first time, hundredth time, doesn't matter. There are angels rejoicing in heaven over just one whose name is written into the book of life. Lord, today we thank you for the wisdom to make that decision. God, we thank you as we fear you, as we revere you, as we honor you. May it not just be something that we do on Sundays. May it not just be something that affects us one or two days of the week, but God, may it be such a deep reverence that we couldn't go a minute of the day without our hearts being positioned in a way that focuses on you, that we would live lives that are pleasing to you, that we would say things that are pleasing to you. God, today we ask for those that are facing a difficult decision or a situation, they're standing at a fork in the road and they don't know which way to go, God, I pray that you would give them wisdom. Your word says we have not because we ask not. And when we do ask, we ask with the wrong motives. And so, Lord, today our motives are not to to bring us fame or fortune. We got as Solomon prayed, help us to, to have wisdom so that we might be righteous in our decision making. God, I pray that you would humble us to a point of being willing to take advice from others knowing that we aren't the only ones that you can or will or have given wisdom to. But sometimes wisdom comes from the wisdom you've given others. Knowledge comes from the experience of those around us. And so Lord, I pray that we would not be so prideful as to think that we have it all figured out. But God, as we take advice as Solomon has encouraged us to do through the Proverbs, pray that you would help us to find godly advice find wise advice, to find counsel when counsel is needed. God, I pray that you would help us all to grow in wisdom so our decisions are pure and peace-loving and full of mercy and gentle at all times and showing no favoritism but producing good fruit, not just in us but those around us. We love you. We thank you. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.